Hey, everybody, this is Betsy Carmody. We've covered a lot of popular culture on our little podcast, but sometimes there's a few things that just get past us. That's where the sacred sex steps in. From Star Trek to Major League Baseball, from the streets of Baltimore on the wire, to the trails of the Camino de Santiago in Spain, the Sacred Six is there to deep dive on topics that deserve just a little more attention. So if you're looking to cover an item in popular culture from A to Z, check out the Sacred Six on the Popping Collars feed wherever you get your podcasts. Pop, pop. I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a popping collar side project where... What kind of show are we putting on here today? I mean, how do I even know that's from this movie? That's such a generic line. With movies. (laughs) There's a limit on the number of those you're going to get to do in this recording (laughs) that's one no i'm gonna i'm gonna treat this recording you get five i'm gonna treat this recording like it's thanksgiving dinner i'm just gonna roll them out left and right uh yeah so we're looking back at movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for best picture 30 years ago this month we're looking at scent of a woman (laughs) Uh, don't you feel gross saying that like the title of the film, I had I completely forgotten the context in which it was mentioned. Yeah. And now that I have re seen it, uh-huh. it is gross. It's super gross. No, it's, it's super gross. gross. I mean, honestly, this is a bad title for this movie. The Colonel. That would have been a good one, right? Um I- one weekend in New York or something, you know, last last trip to New York, <laughs> something like that. Or Rain Man adjacent. Like, we can get into some other ideas. <laughs> All right, Which... here we go. Hi, Mr. Trossi. I'm here about the weekend job. Come on in. They put him in a veteran's home, but he hated it. Colonel's a gentleman. A real hero. This is some guy. Down deep, the man is a lump of sugar. Get in here, you idiot. What do you want? What do you mean what do I want? What do you want here? I want, I want a job. A job? I promise you an easy 300 bucks. I don't get an easy feeling. How's your skin, son? I like my aides to be presentable. Well, I, I've had a few zits, um, but my roommate, he let me his clinic. He's from Chestnut Hill, and he's got The History of My Skin by Charles Sims. Get out my dress blues. They're in a garment bag in the closet. Are are we going someplace, Colonel? What business is that of yours? Don't shrug, imbecile. I'm blind. Our destination is New York City. I'm just going to have to turn right around and come back. (laughs) Charlie's having a difficult weekend. How does he look like he's holding up? Oh, he looks fine to me. Don't think I can't see women because I can't see women. Boy, you have a one-track mind. <laughs> women are the essence of life. She's wearing flowers. Flederokai. Ogilvy sister soap. That's amazing. Well, I'm in the amazing business. I-, I should be getting back to school. Ooh. I don't think you're gonna make it. You said that the last shuttle leaves at 10 o'clock. I lied. All I want is one last tour of the battlefield. You're just in a slump right now. How would you know? Watching MTV all your life. Ooh. From Martin Brest, director of Midnight Run and Beverly Hills Cop. Make your own rules. Be your own board of governors. Pay your own dues. I don't know whether they shoot you or adopt you. It's not much of a choice, is it, sir? Al Pacino. Chris O'Donnell. Scent of a woman. What a marvelous place. I got a brief description of this movie. Betsy, would you like to hear it? I would love to hear it. Charlie Sims is a student at a private preparatory school who comes from a poor family. 
to earn the money for his flight home to Gresham, Oregon for Christmas. Gosh, that is so specific. I could I could not have told you what why time. are they Gresham, Oregon is not a full character in this. <laughs> Gresham, yeah, Oregon, really. Gresham, Oregon's uh what Chamber of Commerce has written this uh brief description for us. Most of the United States at this point didn't know Oregon. <laughs> To earn the money. Right? For- Nobody was into Pinot Noir yet. Nobody knew anything about American. Okay, keep going. <laughs> no, no one knew anything. To earn the money for his flight home to Gresham, Oregon for Christmas, Charlie takes a job over Thanksgiving looking after retired U.S. Army officer Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade, a cantankerous, that, is a, that is a Ugh. generous word. Oh. <laughs> A cantankerous, uh, wait a second, and fact check on this next uh, adjective, middle-aged man, a cantankerous middle-aged man. Well, I d- will admit that he looked younger than I remembered him being in okay. this film, right. and that's probably because he's still alive, making movies, and having children. <laughs> now. So he was middle-aged 30 years ago. Sure. Sure. And Tanker's middle-aged man who lives with his niece and her family. There we go. That's it. That's all you need to know about this movie. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Betsy, what is your history with scent of a woman? (laughs) Quit saying it like that. Um, I'm not really quite sure. I might have seen it in the theater. Wow. Wow. Maybe. But wow. at the same time, I kind of think I might have just seen it on cable. Yeah. Oh, this like, was a TNT classic here. Which there were, like, when initially when the thing came up, I was like, rated R. <laughs> right. And I was like, I was confused about that. Yeah. And then I probably put it together that I was watching an edited version. Right. Mm-hmm. on the cable and so some of the more choice pieces of let's say the conversation on the airplane were not maybe included in their original form probably not probably um, not. yeah this is one of those that just did not age well i will say this i know I don't think that i saw this in the movie theater because it just wouldn't have been the kind of movie that i wanted to see but I definitely saw this. Like I said, I think this was a TNT staple. So I think this would be like you're watching Shawshank, like, you know, Morgan Freeman is finding the rock at the end of the wall. The credits start to roll and then zoom, it goes straight into Up next. Scent of a yeah. Woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And you grab another Dr. Pepper and you sit down yeah. Yeah. and you watch a little bit of it. Exactly. Because like, as you said before, it's got, you know, boarding school in it. Before mm-hmm. I worked at a boarding school, that seemed like a weird foreign world. Right. So you're like, oh, what's this about? Oh, man, does it have boarding school energy? I got to tell you, it has so much boarding school energy that I get this movie mixed up with other boarding school movies. Yes. As a matter of fact, Betsy, I've got five oh, no. boarding school <laughs> movies. Yes. Okay. But I get this okay. movie mixed up with. Okay. Okay. Which we didn't do this before. We did Dead Poet Society, right? No, we did not. We no, did not. we did not. We did Dead not. Poet Society was the first one that we did. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, since I work here at a boarding school, I'm sure I've watched all of these very closely. So, okay. movies that I get mixed up with Sin of a Woman. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Okay, is there an honorable mention? There is an honorable mention okay, because it's, what? it's hard. It's hard to get this movie mixed up with Sin of a Woman. It's okay. the craft. The craft with uh, there are a couple of scenes from the craft. I'm like, wait, was that in this movie? No, 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 that was not in this movie. Okay, all right. Um, I think that's grasping at straws, but. All right, number five. <laughs> number five, uh, Rushmore. There are some parts of Rushmore yeah. that I'm like, was that in this movie or was that? Oh, no. That well, no. And they're more uniforms. It's more uniforms. More uniforms, yeah. More uniforms. Yeah. yeah. What else? Uh, toy Soldiers. 
Sometimes I, I look at, I watch Toy Soldiers. I'm like, wait, is that, is Philip Seymour Hoffman in that Toy Soldiers or? No. Is that the one where they come in and they occupy the terrorists or something? Take over yeah, their school? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's With, a good uh, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good I one. I like that movie. Okay. All right, what number are we on now? We're on three? Uh, yes, number three, The Emperor's Wait. Club. The Emperor's Club. Oh, which one's yeah. that one? Uh, wait, was that the Ethan Hawke one? Oh, no, that was the Kevin Klein Emil Hirsch one. Yeah. Oh, 2002. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was back when okay. Emil Hirsch was having his moment. Yes. I'm like, got it. Wait a second. And then what happened? Emil Hirsch. He was in um, The Dangerous Lives of Ultra Boys. That's right. That's, that's right. That's a good, that's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then number two. Uh, Dead Poet Society. I okay. get this movie mixed up with Dead Poet Society. That was the one with Ethan Hawke. And yes. the one where, like, yeah. N- n- yeah. Yes. So some, yes. There's refer some back like to our previous yeah. poppy, uh, going on 30 episode. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so can I guess number one? Uh, sure. Feel free. Number one boarding school movie. Even though I probably would have reversed Dead Poet Society. This one, maybe is school ties it is number one yes. because and that I is yes that's, a, that's matt damon and chris yes. o'donnell mixed up in everything yes because all, they're probably going for the same parts at this time because all white boys look like <laughs> exactly. all white blonde boys look alike there are so many times where philip seymour hoffman shows up in this and i'm like wait okay. which which movie is this like is this Son of a well, woman? Because, school ties? Like it's because it's all kind of the same. It's a bunch of jerky white boys doing jerky. And white he boys. is so good at that. Yes. He's so good. We just Very actually good. when we are recording this, listeners, we we actually just passed Philip Seymour Hoffman's birthday. And that always just makes me so sad to see how talented he was at such a young age oh my gosh he's so young young. and like when a man loves a woman would have been like right around this time too yeah um where he plays the aa um Mm -hmm. uh, her support person like oh my gosh like he was so young around this time so good um on the movie Uh, my general thoughts are twofold. One is I'm trying to imagine myself in the room while we're pitching this film. Now, was this a book? It was a book. It was a book. Yeah. But there's this element here, too, with like this unlikely duo and one of them has a limitation and one of them's young and attractive Right, and it—that's why it gave me these Rain Man vibes that I did not mm-hmm. have before. Yeah, you swap out yeah. autism for blindness. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. So that—that that was definitely a feeling that I was having while watching the film. Yeah. So that's so that's kind of my first take is yeah. that this has, but it's never really fully comes together because. I had forgotten how freaking messed up the general premise of this film is. Oh, it's wild. It is wild. It is out of hand. You know, the amount of trauma that this guy is just planning on inflicting on this rando high school kid. And that they, they, they step into that drama. It's not like this... You know, you suddenly put a ticking clock on the on the you know in a, in a bucket list, and and we're off to the races. And Chris O'Donnell, he does a real that gun scene. He does a really nice job there, but that is super intense and messed up. Yeah, I this is I, not a lighthearted romp because what do you remember from this movie? You remember that noise mm-hmm. that Al Pacino makes. You remember him dancing with Gabrielle <laughs> Anwar. That's two. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh huh. You remember him dancing with and, and that's the takeaways. Right. You don't yes. remember a so, super uncomfortable family dinner. And just this guy is the worst. And that he's supposed to become redeemable and lovable by showing up at this kid's 
which we do not do here at my school, a public disciplinary hearing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. About uh, the president's car, about a personal issue. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the and the, that from that point on, he's going to you know build this relationship with his great niece and nephew. I mean, like I'm a, I, that's this this guy who says he is the absolute worst is now redeemable. I, yeah. I don't know. It it the the story just doesn't flesh it out. It doesn't ebb and flow. It's you know Pacino is often just monologuing, and it's right. it's, it's kind of it's much more it's a little more boring than I thought that I had remembered it being. I don't know. Yeah. What about you? I, I okay. So a couple of things, positive things that I will say. Chris O'Donnell um, is a lot better in this movie than I remember. Yes. Like I yes. thought he was more like sort of um wooden uh mm-hmm. going into this movie, but no, he has some he has like some real good moments, I would say. Most of them are involve the other kids. Like most of them don't involve Al Pacino. Like I get what right. they were going for with Al Pacino, but Mostly it's with Hoffman and like the other boys at the school mm-hmm. that uh, I would say O'Donnell excel excels. But then again, like Hoffman kind of pulls that out of him. I think like he's just so good. It is what it is, right? Like it doesn't okay. fool you at any point. Like it's going to be a quasi buddy comedy, you know, like buddy cop comedy where it's like oh we put this naive young kid with this saucy veteran and let's see what happens you know like it's it's very much like every trope that you could think of in that kind of movie is in this movie Mm -hmm. um but there's something just so unlikable about the al pacino character that i would say that bradley whitford was like that was my vibe watching Al Pacino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, no, I'm kind of with Bradley Whitford on this. Like he's yeah. a jerk. <laughs> like not not in a fun way, you know. And there's not enough of a hero turn right to save him. Yeah. Yeah. He just kind of starts a jerk and he kind of ends a jerk. And yeah. I mean, so he kind of helps. Uh, you know, Chris O'Donnell at the end, but I don't know. It's just, it's very, like, I feel bad for his niece. That yeah. <laughs> like, it's a very abusive Yeah, can you imagine the, the Rochambeau that where you end up with that guy in your backyard? <laughs> oh, golly. Um, I don't know. Like, okay, so have we had Pacino? Yeah, oh yeah, we did. We had Godfather 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've I done just it. feel like Pacino is just doing way too much in the 90s, you know? It's like mm-hmm. you watch old Pacino movies. So one of the things that this movie has at its climax is the, you know, the disciplinary scene, right? Mr. Sims, you are a cover-up artist and you are a liar. But not a snitch. Excuse me? No, I don't think I will. Mr. Slade. This is such a crock of sh. Please watch your language, Mr. Slade. You are in the Barrett School, not a barracks. Mr. Sims, I will give you one final opportunity to speak up. Mr. Sims doesn't want it. He doesn't need to be labeled still worthy of being a bad man. What the hell is that? What is your motto here? Boys, inform on your classmates. Save your hide. Anything short of that, we're going to burn you at the stake? Well, gentlemen, when the shit's the fan, some guys run and some guys stay. Here's Charlie facing the fire, and there's George hiding in Big Daddy's pocket. And what are you doing? You're going to reward George and destroy Charlie. Are you finished, Mr. Slade? No, I'm just getting warmed up. I don't know who went to this place. William Howard Taft, William Jennings Bride, William Tell, whoever. Their spirit is dead, if they ever had one. It's gone. You're building a rat ship here. A vessel for seagoing snitches. And if you think you're preparing these minnows for manhood, you better think again. 
because I say you are killing the very spirit this institution proclaims it instills. What a sham. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? I mean, the only class in this act is sitting next to me, and I'm here to tell you this boy's soul is intact. It's non-negotiable. You know how I know? Someone here, and I'm not going to say who, offered to buy it. Only Charlie here wasn't selling. Sir, you're out of order. Out of order? I show you out of order. You don't know what out of order is, Mr. Trask. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Out of order. Who the hell do you think you're talking to? Mm-hmm. And, um... And I think at one point, like the uh, they use the phrase like you're out of order or something like that. And he does like out of order, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like it's I think it's intentionally there to make you think about and justice for all. The prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. My client, the Honorable Henry T. Fleming, should go right to f***ing jail! The son of a bitch is guilty! That man is guilty! That man there! That man is a slime! He is a slime! If he's allowed to go free, then something really wrong is going on. Mr. Kirkland, you are out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. They're out of order. That man, that crazy. But then if you go back and watch And Justice for All, you realize that Pacino was such a better actor in the 70s. (laughs) It's like, what happened? What happened to Pacino? I just don't yeah, know. I mean, there's an element here where they were—they definitely wanted someone of his age and caliber. Yeah, yeah, and so that—that's who. Yeah, they were casting for that, for sure. Yeah, because O'Donnell just, was so young. I wonder I, who else was up for that. My sister, when we talked about this, she said, "You know, this is a a role Matt Damon was that glad he didn't get." Oh that's God. what. That's what she. <laughs> Oh, there are so many sliding doors where you think, like, Damon, Chris O'Donnell, Ethan Hawke, Mm -hmm. maybe Keanu Reeves. Like, they're all going for the same parts around this time. Like a young Brad Pitt, maybe. Mm -hmm. They're all going for the same parts. Like, this is, like, young white guy. Yeah, Brad Pitt's Pitt's too old. Brad Pitt would be too old. And Leo, Leo would have been in the mix around this time. Well, and you also get this confused, too, because Chris O'Donnell was in school time. Yes, that that's why I get it mixed issue. up. And the fact that Chris doubled down in the same year. Damon wasn't going to do that. He had too much of a role. Then he's right. going to become the boarding school movie kid. You know, Ethan Hawke's not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those boys who were in in Dead Poets were so yeah. enmeshed in that thing. So Chris Jones like, this is my chance. Yeah, yeah. And then I'll and then I'll follow it up with the Three Musketeers. <laughs> it's gonna be great. And Batman. And, and Batman. Batman yeah, that's right. Well, but he's Circle of Friends was a great movie. He did that does come up. Yeah, I I did like Drew Barrymore a lot, so I liked Mad Love, and then we're kind of a Batman forever. I feel bad for Chris O'Donnell. I think the Batman thing really did him dirty because um because he had it. I mean, he had you know he was he was yeah. fine. He was agreed. And then he ran into those Robin things, and now he's got to do NCIS until he dies. <laughs> that's just, that's a shame. It is. It is. But um, yeah, but Emily also said this was where Al Pacino. Sold his soul to become a caricature of himself. It's just too much. He's just yeah. doing too much. Like what I would say is, you know, watch the out of order scene in this and then go and watch the I'm out of order. This trial's out of order scene from Injustice mm-hmm. for All. And you realize it's like two different things that are going on, mm-hmm. you know, 
or like, you know, watch, watch what he does in the Godfather part one and how he's like basically three different characters over the course of that movie. And then you watch the Godfather part three and he's still like, you know, playing Scarface. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I just don't like, it's like he's, it's like he hit a gear, like an acting gear and he just kind of mm-hmm. like gave up. Which is a shame because he's a really great actor. He's a great, he's an amazing actor. Great, because it's also. Actor. But I don't think I don't think the writing did him favors here. Yeah, yeah. There was so much stuff dropped at that dinner mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, we've got a lot of exposition about Frank's backstory that we've got to get in. Yep. Let's just. There was a moment where I like had to rewind the dinner because I was trying to do something else while I was having. I'm like, hold on, what? How did he lose his vision? What's going mm-hmm. on? Like, I'd totally forgotten about, you know, I'd just given him some sort of uh, degenerative eye disease. And I, you know, I had no idea that what yeah. we were really talking yeah. about. So, and that just makes him just ugh, so tough. Where was I? Oh, so I wake up. It's four in the morning. I don't know who I'm with, why I'm there, and where I am. What am I going to do? I got this Asian flower on the one hand. All giggly and dewy-like. And this hard-boiled Navy nurse out of Omaha on the other. Now, we're three across the bed. Not a stitch of clothes on. It comes to me. Let East meet West. And we'll build a golden bridge. <laughs> I felt like I just joined the Corps of Engineers. <laughs> we all still here? It's a beautiful story. <laughs> Do you always enjoy shocking people, Uncle Frank? Honey. I didn't know you were so easily shocked, Randy. I admire your sensibilities. I'm touched. Dad, you remember the time <laughs> I persuaded Frank to go to the, the kennel? What about it? He almost put the seeing eye dog business out of business. Cool it, Randy. It's over and done with, you know? Indeed it is, Gary. Indeed it is. And so is dinner. Charlie, what time do you have? I think we better be getting back. You ever given any thought to a Braille watch, Frank? Randy. Stevie Wonder wears one, or do you rank on him, too? Honey, please. It's all right, Gloria. I enjoy Randy's observation. My wife's name is Gail, Frank. Can you hear that? Gail. Excuse me. Gail. Gail strikes me as a very beautiful woman. But you know, there's a little tension in her voice. I don't know what it is. Could be one of two things. Either Gail is nervous or unsatisfied. Cut it out, Frank, will you? You've gotten so wrapped up in the sugar business, you've forgotten the taste of real honey. Frank, for God's sake. Hear that voice? There's fire under that dress. Will you cut it out? Why don't you just get the f*** out of here? Why don't you get, the, get in your limousine, go down to the Bowery, get with the other drunks where you belong. Hey, wait a minute. What? You should take it easy. <laughs> what for? You want, to, you want me to lay off of Chucky because he's blind? No, but I mean... My friend's name is Charles. He doesn't like to be called Chucky. I mean, this is supposed to be like a family get-together. This is... Just a warning. <laughs> Jesus Christ, another sucker who thinks this shit heals a war hero. Ooh, uh... So, speaking of, I know you love an uncomfortable dinner. That goes back yeah. to our My Left Foot conversation. Like, how much you right? love an uncomfortable dinner. What is your That's best... why I can... Oh, go ahead. Yes, what were you going to say? <laughs> what is your best scene from this movie? Well, one of my most favorite uncomfortable dinners recently is on the second season of The Bear. I'll just say that. So there we go. Just not a spoiler. Just look for it. It's one of the most uncomfortable hours of television. I've watched in a long time. Um, So that that was what you, my top five most uncomfortable dinners from film. Top five uncomfortable dinners. (laughs) Oh, man. Bethany. Hmm. Hey, Greg, it's hard for me to come up with a scene that I like. Oh, wow. Wow. I mean, I probably, I do kind of enjoy when people get stuff, you need to stick it to the man. So probably the unrealistic public disciplinary committee hearing. What's that guy's name? That character actor that's like, he's in everything. Mr. Trask? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's awesome. It is. Uh, hang on, I'm gonna look him up real quick. 
James Redhorn. Yes. Um, but I like I like that. Like let's let's stick it to George Willis yeah. and George Willis Senior. Me and my driver are gonna roll up in here and save this kid right. during his public right. I, and I don't necessarily know what the point of that scene is, except like snitches get stitches is kind of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's also the hard part of this. Yeah, the whole moral center turnaround at the end. Like this is we're, we're trying to battle the, you know, the negative stuff, the snitch culture talk here at my school. Like we, we don't we don't do that like that. That's, you know, there's there's times when. People are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> and it's not that you should go around, you know, I don't know. Right. But, you know, you should care enough about the values of, of, of our community. The, the highest virtue. Yeah, the highest virtue was that he didn't rat out his. He didn't say, but it was, again, not how classmates. I remembered it happening. Who, who engaged in a crime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just crazy. Destruction of property. Yeah. <laughs> Just crazy. Um my best scene is the is the driving through the streets, the the driving mm-hmm. through the alleyways scene. Mm-hmm. Uh mainly because Ron Eldard shows up in that scene as a cop. Hmm. I haven't had a ticket in years. I'll do the talking. What are you, test driving this baby? Don't she purr, though? At 70 miles an hour? You should hear her at 125. Ah. Where's your license? At the dealers. They give it back to you when you return the car. You got ID? You bet. Indeed. Lieutenant Colonel Slade. And you, soldier. The name is Police Officer Gore. Doing a hell of a job, Gore. Oh, and so are you, Colonel. Who's the kid? My boy, Charlie. Kept telling me to let her out, let her out. What was I going to do? Disappoint him? Yes. Tell you what I'm going to do, Colonel. I'm going to let you go. On one condition. What's that? That you take this rig straight back to the dealer. You you got it. Shut up. Want this? Sure. Gore, your face and your voice are familiar. You ever in the officers club at Da Nang? No. Never in the army? No, Coast Guard. Good lord. (laughs) (laughs) Your dad is looking good, Charlie. He's got a heavy foot, though. Tell him to take you to light, all right? I hear you. All right. Thanks. Which I would have known, so this was mid-90s, early to mid-90s, so I would have known Ron Eldard from ER, where he shows Mm -hmm. up as like a love interest for... Oh, Juliana Margulies. Yes, he shows up as a love interest for Juliana Margulies. Mm. And I was like, hey, that's Ron Eldard. I remember him. He was the paramedic on the show. I don't know. I just got very excited whenever he (laughs) him. So that's why it's my best scene. Uh, what is your best performance from the movie? Francis Conroy in the last. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, she comes in Christine Downs, the well-meaning faculty member on the discipline committee who wants to catch up Colonel Slade and uh-huh. let him hit on her. Um, I mean, it's tough because it's like you know, Chris O'Donnell was better than I thought he was going to be. Um, okay, but I mean, Philip Seymour often. Yeah. I'll go with Phil Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, that's, uh, it's far and away Hoffman for me. He's just so, like, he's such a jerk, but he does it in such an affable way that you're like, yeah. am I supposed to hate this guy? Because, I mean, I do yeah. kind of hate this guy, but he's also kind of fun at the same time. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah he's just, a, I mean, it's giving, um, oh, what's his face? Um, pretty pink. Oh, energy. James Spader. Like yeah, Spader it's given vibes. some a little bit of some yeah, without without kind of the the yeah. hot boy type yeah. thing in there though. Yeah. But like you knew this kid would be fun to have in your class. Right. If you were okay, you know, he would actually probably get pretty decent grades and all yeah. that sort of stuff, you know. Um yeah, even if he a- does he's bad with deadlines and he's gotta check that book out. Totally. Even though it's supposed to be on reserve. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. totally right. And yeah. yeah, Hoffman's just just great in this. And just a, just a revelation. I mean, every time you see Hoffman and things like this, like your beloved Twister, stuff like Ugh. that, you're just like, when he's a man best. loves a woman, he's just, he shows up in these things and you're just like, oh my God, I'm like he's so much better than this material. It's amazing. Yeah. And I have to say, I actually just watched um, Dope Sick. Oh. which I had not watched. And I knew a lot of the Sackler Oxycontin story. Mm-hmm. And then now kind of watching this you know, film with Hoffman in it just makes it all, the, all me yeah. all the more pissed and angry. I think, <sighs> so, I think anyway. Dope, Dope Sick is going to be one of our PC TV shows, I think. Ooh. I talk about later. Oh, that's good. I like that. Betsy, I've got some stats about the movie. Oh. What do we know? What do we know? Scent of a Woman opened on December 23rd, 1992. Merry Christmas. Hoo-ah, Merry Christmas. Uh, all right. <laughs> I think you're spacing them out pretty good. I'm just going to say. This we have arrived at season three, episode 17. The game is chicken. It's the title of the episode. Donna volunteers to help David out by filling in for him on his radio show. And Steve and Brandon get involved in high stakes car racing. I'm sorry. <laughs> this should be called the fast and the. <laughs> yeah, this is not great. <laughs> Not great. Fast and the Furious, West Beverly High Edition. Uh, Aim is chicken. Uh, Sin of a Woman had a domestic gross of $64 million, making it the number 19 grossing movie of 1992. 19 okay. actually feels low for an Oscar nominated movie. I'm surprised. It I would agree. So, yeah. It is the number 1,378th top-grossing movie of all time between... Okay. All right. You get Son of a Woman. Son of a Woman. You get Last Vegas. Last Vegas. Do you need to know I'm look, what I'm looking Vegas it up. Look, what's it about? This is the aging Hollywood stars. I want to say, like, uh, John Travolta's in this or something, or... Michael Douglas... What go. is Robert De Niro doing? What is Morgan Freeman doing? And oh. Kevin Klein. Oh, okay. So I got it confused with old dogs. So this is right. the, yeah, this is the some, aging Hollywood stars. You could also do a list of, of a group of aging Hollywood stars. You could do another top five. Okay. <laughs> okay. So last. That four friends take a break from their day-to-day lives to throw a bachelor party in Las Vegas for their last remaining single pal. So this is this is wow. Michael Douglas's character is getting married. Wow. wow. Okay. Okay. So that's on one side of this movie, and then on the other side of this movie, Betsy, it's Dirty Dancing. Oh! Hear the music. I'm going to flirt with Las Vegas. Yes, that's I'm going correct. to marry Dirty Dancing. Yes, you are. You're going to kill Zinnamon. That's my plan. Ding, ding. Yay. Nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs>
Nobody does. Wow. We never get like that sort of level of film in this exercise. I know. It was amazing when I saw it show up. I was like, I was so excited. Uh, Son of a Woman had 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. 85. That feels high. Feels high. Yeah, when you're like, man, this is gross isn't it's where it should be. Maybe that should have been a bit of a bit of a All right, Betsy, signal. What do you think okay. Roger Ebert thought of this movie? I feel like Raj is in the pocket of Big Pacino. <laughs> Raj. Raj is very much in the pocket of Big Pacino. Okay. All right. <laughs> that was my feeling. Uh I, I don't know. It has a little nuance to it. He says this. By the end of Scent of a Woman, we have arrived at the usual conclusion of the coming of age movie. And the usual conclusion of the prep school movie. But rarely have we been taken there with so much intelligence and skill. Three and a half out of four stars. Nope. He was doing fine until that last sentence. Until that last sentence. (laughs) Disagree. It hits all the tropes. It does. (laughs) But it 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 lands. And then it lands in a haphazard manner. Mm-hmm. Where you don't feel good about anyone in the film. Right. And scene. <laughs> uh, I've got a Janet Maslin review. Oh, thank God. There we go. Is Janet more reasonable? Uh, Janet's more reasonable, I would say. She okay. says this. The good thing is that the principals and filmmakers make the absolute most of a conventional opportunity. Three and a half out of five stars. <laughs> The absolute most out of a conventional opportunity. That is a lovely turn of phrase. I appreciate that a lot. Oh, Janet. That's good. So good to have you back with us, Janet. So good. So good. Uh, How did it do at the Oscars? Betsy, it had one very famous win. What was it? Didn't Pacino win? Yep. This was the Pacino Oscar. Now it he, set was the he precedent. Was no- it set the precedent moving forward. He was nominated the year before. Yeah. For Godfather 3, but didn't win. Did not win. So this is, we're awarding you for your career. Lifetime achievement. As opposed achievement. to this actual role. That's right. Which you That's don't right. deserve to win an Something award. that we still do, even to this day. Yes, we lifetime do. Lifetime achievement Oscars. Yep. 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 Uh, looking at you, Leo DiCaprio and The Revenant. Mm, <laughs> yep. I like The Revenant more than that. <laughs> yeah. So it was nominated for Best Picture, which is why we're being forced to talk about it. Nominated for Best Picture. It was also nominated for two other Academy Awards besides Best Actor and Best Picture. Would you like to guess those? Well, now that I know it's from a book, I'll say mm-hmm. screenplay. Yes, Best Adapted Screenplay. That is correct. Okay. And then one other. I don't know. <laughs> I can't come up with another. It's one, one of the bigger. It's one of the bigger awards. Oh, director. It was best director Martin. What Malesky. has happened to you, Martin? Where best are you? Oscar nominee Martin Oscar Brest nominee? brings you Gili. <laughs> Sorry, no. First, meet Joe Black. Starring Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. And J-Lo. Uh, yeah, Martin Brest. Oscar nominee. You Got can it. never okay. take it away from him, Betsy. No matter, no. No matter what gonna, garbage you put I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try. You, you can never Don't come take for it me. Away. Don't come for me, Martin. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Where are you from? Um, Gresham, Oregon. Colonel. What does your daddy do in Gresham, Argonne? Hmm? Count wood chips? Uh, my stepfather and my mom run a convenience store. Oh, how convenient. What time they open? 5 a.m. Close. 1 a.m. Hard workers. You got me all misty-eyed. So what are you doing here in this sparrow fart town? I, I, I attend Baird. Attend bad. I know you go to the bad school. Point is, how do you afford it? Even with 
This student aide and the folks back home hustling corn nuts. I won a, uh, a Young American Merit Scholarship. Hoo-ah! Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Uh, let's talk about the lasting right. legacy of this movie. We could actually talk about a lot of things. I wrote uh, coming-of-age movies. Um, there's a lot of like we've we've already encountered a ton of coming of age movies already, even just like looking back 30 years. There's a lot of these sort of sorts of movies around this time, even going forward. I think there's still like a lot of coming of age movies that are out there now. Well, but these, oh. the ones we've been looking at though, are, are really you know, we're, it's 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 Gen Xers, it's us mm-hmm. in these positions. Then, then this boomer generation, yeah, is going to educate us. Yeah, I would say you know? that the, the the more successful coming of age movies happen at like generational transition times, right? So, mm-hmm. like when you're transitioning to like millennials, or when you're transitioning to Gen Z or Gen X, like mm-hmm. th- those are the movies that sort of stand out in my mind as like the ones that kind of hold up. What is the appeal of the coming of age movie? Why do people like watching coming of age movies? I mean, there always seems to be this element of, you know, the older person's in the driver's seat, but then they they learn something from the younger person too. Right. And there's, it's kind of hokey. Yeah. And that sort of thing. I don't feel that as strongly in this film. Yeah, there's something about, you know, especially when we're holding up Chris O'Donnell's moral center. <laughs> Not, bitch, I don't know. Like that 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 part was and it's it's almost like come in and be big and blustery. Like, is that the lesson of this? Like just oh, no. just, you know, blow the house down. And I mean, it's also such a it's trying to stick the finger in the eye of white privilege, but then it's totally like, here, give me my uniform, let me come in and do my shtick. As a white man with a rank, you yeah. know, like yeah. so. This this one just doesn't hit the tones that I like. I mean, listen, like when when I think of like coming of age movies that resonate, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like Lady Bird, what Greta Gerwig did there, something like Moonlight, you know, just that like that kind of like awkwardness that comes with like realizing who you are as a person, you know, like trying to figure out like how to live in your own skin. Um, And I think that's why we were into, you know, you and I talked about it. Emily and I have talked about this obsession with boarding school because it allows us to make a teen movie without really having to have the parents in the movie. Yeah. It, it, because you take the parents away, it kind of puts you into a different place and well, and then yeah. and then you have to figure yourself out. You know, you have so, to it's like it's like the zombie movie premise. You know, something hits the fan and then who are you now? Right. So to that end, I would say like the the coming of age movie that I always refer back to is Dazed and Confused, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like there's no parents to speak of. Mm-mm. But it's still like it's it's all the different personality types trying to figure out how to now it's all the suburban white <laughs> kid, uh, yeah, like stereotypes trying to figure out how up. to, yeah, how to live in this world. Um, that's why I was saying, like, Moonlight strikes a chord with me as a recent one, Lady mm-hmm. Bird strikes a chord with me as a le- recent mm-hmm. one because a lot of the coming of age movies that I connect with now are stories that weren't being told. 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. they're new stories. And those are the ones that I find totally fascinating. Like nowadays. Yeah, like, like I eighth think about grade. like a, eighth grade is a perfect one, right? Yeah, or like Little Miss Sunshine. There's coming mm-hmm. of age elements, you know, any sort of multi-generational film like that. But for me, I do think Dead Poets o- occupies a particular place. And like, and Ruby even mentioned like she and I did not watch that. We didn't watch that movie together, right, Ruby? Huh? Okay, so she watched it with me, and we watched it for the podcast. Okay. But she'll go back now and watch clips of it because hmm. she finds it so moving. And when you know she 
needs a little something a little emo mm-hmm. you know it's it's just there's something about it that touches a chord and i think i you know look past the fact that it's all boys or whatever it's right. you know people trying to figure out who they are yeah in a, in a, in a landscape that feels like it is altering but what all of those movies are kind of missing is this affable curmudgeon character that I think we were being sold for a long time. Is like, mm-hmm. you know, because like Lady Bird has, you know, the mom character, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, but like, but like, uh, um, like Alan, Alan Arkin, you know, yeah. he's kind of the grumpy grandfather. That, and I thought of that because when he just he died this year. And right. people posted that clip from Little Miss Sunshine. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you know, like that sort of thing. But yeah, that's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, but I guess there's call. something, there's something accessible about Alan Arkin. There's something accessible mm-hmm. about Laurie Metcalf that, like, mm-hmm. I just don't see with this Al Pacino character, you know? It's like, he's Mm-mm. just inscrutable from beginning to end to me in this movie. Yeah. And as I said, it feels like he's just monologuing. Yeah, he's just talking to the air, and it could be anybody. And they take too long to build any sort of actual personal connection. I mean, he's treating Chris O'Donnell's character as like a prop, right? I mean, it's, yeah, you don't grab my arm, I grab your arm, and that's the way the acting goes too. <laughs> you know, right. don't try to reach out to me. You know, and with yeah. any sort of connective acting skills, sorry, we're not doing that here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. All right, coming of age movies—they're good. I like coming of age movies. I'm, I've always been a big fan, but mm-hmm. I do use ministry, so I'm, I feel I like I'm predisposed to like these things. Well, and I think we're also, you know, at this point in the early '90s, we're missing, you know, John Hughes. We're missing. We all we grew up on movies like that, and so then you yeah. you're you're looking for that feeling, yeah, yeah, and trying to build those. Now I was actually just listening to uh, how did this get made? And they were doing the movie, the sleepover that tries to do a coming of age, early two thousands with middle schoolers in highly inappropriate oh, situations. God. Oh, God. So bad. Um, what's her face from spy kids? Like trying to get, and it's like, it's like, they were all like, I think we're on a watch list. From oh, watching no. this movie, like you know, there are things that even more recent that just don't hold up. Oh, that's but, terrible. Yeah. Uh, who is this Ooh. movie for, Betsy? Boomers. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote. Yeah, it's I, mean, for, I, I wrote basically the same thing. I said it's for the Academy. <laughs> for the yeah, Academy. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just don't know who gets enjoyment out of this besides somebody folding laundry on a Saturday afternoon watching TNT and Mm -hmm. uh, the Academy. Like those are the only people that I know that this movie is for. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what is your rating for this movie out of? (laughs) Let's get out. Oh, wow. Oh man. All right. I'm going to the bottom of your list. (laughs) Go to, it is at the bottom of my list. I just have to decide what what rating it gets uh-huh. yeah i don't even have to move it out of its position here so i'll just delete there it's in last place okay and i'm giving it a two hey that's what i gave it hey uh, look at that <laughs> look at that yeah i said two out of five it's watchable but not much more than that yeah <laughs> i felt bad giving it like a one point right yeah no it's There's not, at least it's not some... actively bad it's not like right i mean like hoffman's in it i gotta still give it a good a good thing well and and just for a little boarding school lore right this was filmed at emma willard oh okay which is actually a girl's school oh wow. girl's school in troy new york oh that's funny so why did the academy nominate this movie do you think al pacino yeah yep Hoo-ah! Tour de Force performance. Oh what kind of not, a show we putting on here? Not true. Not true. <laughs> I could come up with other things that he deserves to be nominated for if they really oh, absolutely. need me to. I, I tell you what, instead of watching this movie, 
watch The Godfather, The Godfather Part Two, Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico, and Justice yes. for All. Just watch all of those, and you'll have a much better Al Pacino time. Yes, this time. I even enjoy him more in the series Hunters. On yeah, it's on Amazon, right? Like I can come up with other things. Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood, like Tarantino knew exactly how to use Al Pacino in that movie. Yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, no, he's he's Carlito's Carlito's way. Listen, at some point we're going to talk about heat. I'm pretty sure on this podcast, this here podcast is we're going to talk about heat. All right, we're going to talk about heat. That's one word. Oh, we're going to bring the heat. We're going to talk about the heat. (laughs) We're going to cut those scenes. Al Pacino is great in heat. Now he's doing a lot. (laughs) Yeah, but I like it. But I like it. That's right. It's better than this. It's better than this. That's for sure. Oh, you know what I've forgotten? Because I've Uh never watched the film. He's Uh in Geely. He's in Geely. Trying to do his friend Martin a solid. Devil's yeah. Advocate. Oh, there's things I've forgotten about that one. Okay, but Devil's yeah, no. Advocate is a Tony Gilroy. <laughs> that is a Tony Gilroy <laughs> script. And, a, you know, a pretty good Keanu Reeves performance. A pretty oh, yeah. good Charlie's Theron performance. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I actually kind of... I, I just I snickered at it more for the poster. The poster is pretty funny. It's a lot of fire in a boardroom table. That's right. It's That's a little right. weird. Okay. Look, but don't touch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you going to become a professional Al Pacino impersonator, Greg? Is that what you're going to do on the stages of South Florida? Please, please say it is so. Wow. All right. Okay, that's it. That's fine. You there we go. Out. Good job. We're done. Right at the end. That was smart. We're done. Okay, so so what are we watching next time? Uh, wait, wait, wait. We have wait, we a couple of more things that we have to get through. What do we have We've to do? We've tacked on to the end of these podcasts. Uh, what did Emily say about Cinema Oh, Woman? I told you. I told you. Oh, yeah, you've Throughout right. the episode. We've talked about that. What do you think Billy Crystal said about this movie? He made he Al Pacino a, jokes. He, he made Al Pacino jokes. He did yeah. the noise. You can't uh, do it again. Yes, he did the noise. I can't do no the more. noise anymore, but you can hear Billy Crystal do the noise right now. And a personal favorite of mine, Al Pacino, nominated for two awards, Best Actor and Best Supporting. How are you, Al? I wasn't at all surprised with the two nominations, because look what he sent me. This thing here. I got this thing here. This is it. Okay. Okay. For sure. I just hope he doesn't have like a seeing eye cane while he does it because that would not have been great. And okay, that's it. That's it. We have that's finally it. Okay. made it to the end. Uh, scent, of a, yeah. scent of a woman. It's in the book. <laughs> and close that book and exile it to the backyard in the shed. Next up, we have a Betsy pick. It's my pick. It's your pick. We're watching Singles. Cameron Crowe. Just enjoy the soundtrack, everyone. That's right. So Cameron Crowe, straight off of Say Anything, I'm pretty sure, was the movie before this. And now he goes straight into Singles. Yeah. So Mm. Singles is our next one. Gen X in a nutshell. Let's go. And, you know, Portland, we see you. We're going to be in Seattle. But oh, you know, yeah. we're closer. We're oh, closer. we get to see we get to see Pearl Jam before they were Pearl Jam, back when they were mm-hmm. still kind of like Mookie Blaylock, I think was the name that they were going by. It was after Mother Love Bone, but before Pearl Jam. We get to see That's Soundgarden. So crazy. We get to yes. see Alice in Chains. Yeah. People we get to see in this movie. So oh, good. very excited about singles. Me too. Me too. Yay. Uh, Betsy, thank you for taking a holiday trip to New York City with me. Mm. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some things that I need you to do for me while we're, uh, oh. while we're Just as long as you don't ask everyone we ride with in a, in a lift if they know any. <laughs> oh good my escorts. God, this poor driver. Have you thought about how far this guy has been driving his cab this whole, this whole time or his 
car, or limousine, or whatever. This poor guy, and he, he must have a and family. And he's willing to drive him anytime because <laughs> he is such a gem of a human. Can you imagine the calls that he's making home to his wife? He's like, I'm sorry, is it like Al Pacino's got me driving out to the middle of nowhere? <laughs> I've got to do it. Like, I can't well, leave this guy. And he's been saving all his checks. This money is going to run out. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I, hope, I hope I hope Francis McDormand likes Mac McDonald's because that's what she's getting on that day <laughs> right. in a limo. All right, we'll see you next time for singles. Bye.